0: In a box undigified Gonna rewind And give them one more try Think about the days Of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex And TDK Getting music out there The old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits Of one day Mixtape Phonograph. And dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet the Mix mixtape Line in, line out If you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker Turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice
1: of time Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is side B of a long distance mixtape, where we attempt to create a narrative using 24 tunes from the 80s. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're at the we're at the midpoint of our story. So if you this is especially if you haven't listened to side A, you're gonna want to go back to Side A first, because we are attempting to tell a narrative through song, and it's a love story about a long distance relationship, and we're about halfway through that story. So, right. so where are we exactly? There, somebody's moved away. Well, it's it's the female. Yeah, the female's if, moved away. Yeah,
2: yeah. we're letting the music speak for itself. The female is uh, living uh, some unspecified place where he is not, and um, yeah, they're they're starting to have some issues. That, that's where we left off. So, as I said at the end of side A, you know, do they make it? Is this relationship going to last, or you know, is the separation too much uh, to bear? Um, yeah, normally you can listen to you don't need to listen to side A to enjoy side B. You know, it's usually thematic or it's genre specific. What we do uh, this time, telling a story, you start on side B, you'll be able to follow the story, but you don't know how he got there. So, yep, yeah, I would strongly encourage anyone listening in this week to go back and listen to side A first. Um it's uh I, you know one thing i think we did really well though is that it's not perfect but very nearly we alternate male female perspective pretty well yeah oh yeah um which you know that that was not an easy thing to do necessarily i think that the song choices especially on this next side they they work really well in that respect so uh I don't know, you got anything or should we just,
1: Let's just lead jump into in. it? Yeah, all right. Let's lead in. Let's do it. So our first choice for side B is a song by John Waite called Missing You, which came out in nineteen eighty four from the album No Breaks. This song was huge. It was. When I liked John Waite before he joined the hair band <laughs> Bad English. Such uh, a weird move. Anyway. When I see you smile. <laughs> oh, you know, no. How did I pick that for one of the our worst ballad. songs episode?
2: Uh, I, well, I was never a fan. I don't know that I would classify it as a yeah, worse song. It's a but, personal
0: thing um,
3: I guess.
2: But, uh, you know, this song used to confuse the hell out of me. It really did. I, I'm a lyrics guy. I think I this one, when I would listen to the lyrics, I, I just couldn't, f- it took me forever to frame it in the way that it was meant, sure. I guess. Because he talks about how much he misses her, and then he tells, you know, he says, I'm not missing you. I don't know, it just, this was one.
1: He's telling himself, he's, yeah, I'm not missing you. I'm
2: not, yeah. Or he's telling, lying to himself. He's lying to himself, yeah. yeah. Um, But for whatever reason, it took me a long <laughs> time to actually piece that together. I, I don't know if it was... There was just something about this song. I think I got caught up in the music, the instrumentation. Yeah, we were 12 and years old. I, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I admit uh, my ignorance on this one. It took me a while to figure it out when I was a kid.
1: So well, I never listened to the lyrics as <laughs> a kid, so you're ahead of me there. <laughs> when recording for John Waite's 1984 record, No Breaks, when it was completed... Uh, Waite realized that there wasn't a standout single among the tracks. You hear that a lot about records. Uh, Most famously Born in the USA when they said there was no single and Bruce goes to write uh, Dancing in the Dark for the hit single, which it is, and then goes on to have five other hit singles, top ten singles. So there were plenty of singles on that record. But John Waite was convinced there wasn't one on on his newest collection of music. So um, he was hanging out with a songwriter friend of his and the songwriter had come up with this melody but wasn't sure what to do with it. And Wade immediately jumped on it and completed the song. So the two of them got together, and that became "Missing You." Um, then Wade had to convince the record company to spend an additional five grand to have it recorded and included on the on the LP, which the record company did. Um, and Wade's instincts were correct because the song became a massive hit, reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and it earned John Wade a Grammy Award nomination for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Wade says the song is about three distinct women in his life. So this maybe shed some light on what we were talking about earlier. His ex-wife, his current girlfriend, and an old flame. He was lying to himself about all three. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, John Wade recorded, recorded an alternate version. Um, have, have, are you familiar with this? No. We're going to have to put this on our mentioned songs list because I want to hear I haven't listened to it yet. Um, he recorded an alternate version of Missing You with Alison Krauss in 2006.
2: Ooh, I bet that's good. Yeah. I love yeah. Alison Krause. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I do too.
1: Um, the song was also covered by Tina Turner, Brooks and Dunn, and the British duo Evoke, to just name a few.
2: Huh. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard another version, a cover yeah. of this song. It's yeah. wild.
1: It's
2: very cool. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, I just remember really liking this song. I don't remember the video being anything spectacular. There was nothing about John Waite that was, you know, heroic in terms of like rock legend. I just remember hearing it on the radio and saying, yeah, this is a really good tune. This is a solid song.
2: It is. Yeah.
1: Still Um, holds up. Yeah, very much so. when I see you
2: smile now now you you have you have that song in my head so I'm like when
1: I see you smile that's hell I had to listen to that Uh,
2: it'd be even worse if I sang it (laughs) (laughs) but all right, well uh, now we are back to the female perspective first time on side B Uh, this one is by Sheena Easton it is titled Telephone and the parenthesis long distance love affair This comes from the 1983 album Best Kept Secret, the song hit number nine on the Hot 100. Uh, It was actually released at the peak of Easton's career. There was a time, folks, when Easton was more popular than Madonna.
1: Oh, yeah. And she was the it girl. Well, Madonna didn't, what, borderline was 82, 83? It was, yeah, right about that time. She and Easton had a couple-year jump on her, so yeah.
2: Yeah, um, this, this very quirky pop song finds Easton singing somewhat obsessively about her lover as she wonders why he doesn't call her from overseas um, which which I think lends itself we, we we didn't talk about this last week, but obviously, given the music choices, we are setting our story, our narrative in the eighties mm-hmm. so this is not the world of smartphones
1: or texting
2: or internet or
1: social media.
2: So you either waited for letters to arrive in the mail. Oh, yeah, letters. Or you called one another, you know, when both of you were free at night.
1: And And mom's yelling at you to get off the phone because she wants to make a call. Absolutely. Or nobody can call the house if there's an emergency.
2: Yes. But the real issue, especially for a long-distance relationship in the 80s, is that if no one answered the phone, especially after several attempts over many days...
1: Well, you, you begin to wonder. That was a primitive form of ghosting.
2: It was. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what this song is about. Um, the alternative spelling, um, it is an alternate spelling. Uh, telephone, um, this single is, is spelled T-E-L-E-F-O-N-E. Um, and if you note the alternate spelling of Telephone in the title, it was very deliberate. It was to suggest that Easton or her lover, one of them, was in a foreign country, where they used this spelling telephone. of the word. Yeah, the telephone. Yep. Yeah. So, so telephone was written by Greg Matheson and Trevor Veitch. And Matheson, he also co-wrote Heaven Knows for Donna Summer, and he played on keyboards um, on both that songs, uh, that song, and, and many other hits, including Summer's version of one of Dave's favorite songs, MacArthur Park and mm. Mickey by Sony Basil. Um, MacArthur Park. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. We're back to melting cakes in the rain. Um, yeah, Veitch also co-wrote Laura Branigan's version of Gloria, for what it's worth. So he, he, he worked with a number of very, uh, very important female artists uh, in the early 80s. The video, this was one of my absolute favorite music videos. And I'm wondering how many of our listeners...
1: I wonder if you remember the video. Well, I will say this. Okay. When we were pitching ideas a few weeks ago or a week ago, whatever, this was one that I could not for the life of me remember. Really? I couldn't think of the melody. I couldn't remember anything about it. And then what a treat. When I started to play it, it all came back. Yeah. I loved the song. I don't know why I don't remember it. I don't remember the video. But I just remember loving the song when it was out. It yeah. is one of those that was a great pop tune. It didn't obviously resonate me with me enough to remember it, but it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Oh, I. It. It may be my favorite. Well, either this or Strut, but but this may be my favorite. Not a big song. fan of Strut. Really? No. Yeah. Female empowerment. Or Sugar yeah. Wall. Did she Watch. do Sugar Wall? Yeah, she did Sugar Wall. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was as dirty as you could get in the '80s. Yeah. Uh, but um, that would be a very different mixtape. Um, but um, now the video for this one, I, I, it's one of my favorites because I, I'm such horror.
1: I might. Re- oh wait a minute. Oh yes, 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 yes. Let me. Black and white. Yep. She was in a house or something, and if I remember correctly, Frankenstein's monster. Yep. The Hunchback. Am I right on that? No, not the, no, 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 no.
2: Hunchback's not there. Not but there. but you're on the right track.
1: Uh, and there were some, uh, and they, uh, Black Lagoon, Creature Up in the Black. Anyway, they were chasing her. It had nothing to do with the song whatsoever. Oh,
2: yeah. It has nothing to do with the song. Yeah. But yeah, it's the Universal Monsters. Okay. Yeah, it's Frank okay. Monster. Dracula's in there, and King Kong. No
1: less. King, King Kong's at the end. He's at the end. He, he like, p- picks, he her, picks up. her up. Yes. Yes.
2: I loved, right. I loved this video. I, I just, and it has nothing to do with the song, but I didn't care. Every time the video came on, I just, I was delighted because I was such the horror fan. Um, yeah, it, it was exactly what you said. Shot in black and white, had the horror theme. Very similar um, to
1: uh, Eddie Money's, I think we're alone. No, I think I'm in love. Yeah. Remember, that was in black and white. Was. And it was about a vampire. Yep. Anyway,
2: go ahead. Yeah. Oh man, I haven't thought of that song take in very long that's the only
1: time. That's the only Eddie Money song I like. Really? Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a big. Fan. But I always I liked, do love that song. Though.
2: I always like two tickets to paradise. Yeah. yeah. Take me home tonight. Yeah. I mean, well, take it's me Kind of like
1: Bob Seger for me. Yeah. Well,
2: I I get that. Take me home tonight though has Ronnie Specter.
1: It does. That's so, cool. So no,
2: the, cool. the moment you throw a Ronette in there, I'm sure. I'm good. Sure. So you know, um, but yeah, as was common in the 1980s, the video had nothing whatsoever to do with the song (laughs) that was fairly standard practice on i remember that um but yeah i this one there's no in my mind no better song to begin the female perspective here because this was a long distance relationship you know nearing its its demise in in the 80s if you can't get a hold of your partner especially the line she says uh she receives the letter from him saying um Having a ball and wish you were here. It, it, it's just you know. You
1: know what was worse than not having them answer the phone was getting the busy signal. Oh yeah, because that meant one of two things: either they were talking to some another guy, or they took the phone off the <laughs> hook because they didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. See, kids, they don't they don't understand what a busy signal is. Yeah, of course I, we didn't understand what. Party lines were so. Yeah, every well, generation has yeah,
2: thing, party lines. You know the nine hundred <laughs> numbers. Oh man,
1: I remember all those. No, I mean party lines back in the old days, especially in rural areas where people didn't have their own phone line. You shared it like with the street. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And if you wanted to make a call, your neighbor down the street might be talking on the phone. Yeah, no, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I, I gotcha. I remember my my grandparents talking yeah. about that.
2: No, I was thinking about the nine hundred.
1: Yes, know. those party lines. Yes, nine hundred. Oh my gosh, the one nine hundred numbers. for everything. Everyone Uh, had one. Fortune telling. Everyone had one. uh, Obviously pornographic stuff. You had party lines. You had dating. You you could... Call a 900 religious num- stuff.
2: Yeah, you could call a 900 number to talk to Captain Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> you <could laughs> call a
1: 900 number to talk to Freddie Krueger. It was like that, <laughs> you know. It was that era's version of cameo, but you were just listening to a recording. You I, weren't even really I, talking, or some actor probably. I I've never called one. I never called one. No, my yeah, I never did.
2: Oh, my parents would have murdered me. Yeah, uh, because
1: uh, <laughs> it cost money. I always wanted to call Miss Cleo though. Miss Cleo. I always wanted to call Miss. Cleo There was a documentary about her on um, on Netflix that I watched about a year ago.
2: Yeah, I saw that there was one. I haven't watched Pretty it yet.
1: She was a fraud like them all. Well, well, they all are. So, all right. Good song. Good song. Take it away. All right. My next one here is uh, from a man by the name of Rick Springfield. And um, it's kind of, I think the first vinyl record, I might have said this before too, that I ever owned was Working Class Dog, which was his first LP. I got it in second grade for selling enough magazines or whatever. That was one of the prizes, which I thought, by the way, that was probably the coolest prize we've ever had from fundraisers throughout school like that was the only time i remember you could pick records from selling enough door-to-door magazines and that never came back again like I, it was a stupid prizes after that dude i would have sold a ton of magazines oh yeah I mean, free music
2: why well, I, I remember the fundraiser we yeah. went to, we went to the same school yeah, right, 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 I, right. We, we weren't in the same classes, but I think either but,
1: there were a bunch you could pick from from a yeah. catalog and i chose working class Did you?
2: i went with pyromania Oh, interesting! Def Leppard's yeah. Pyromania—I won from the the fundraiser. Nice, yeah,
1: nice. Well, this is the second second album, and uh, the song uh, is "Don't Talk to Strangers" um, from the album. The album was "Success" hasn't spoiled me yet. Don't Talk to Strangers uh, reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. It was kept out of the spot uh, by Ebony and Ivory. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Springfield, he, he was cheated on that one. I'm sorry. Almost. Almost matching the number one uh, success of Jessie's Girl, which came from the album that I mentioned earlier. The song was uh, reworked from an early composition and retooled to reflect his paranoia. This, This, this may be the best... Most hypocritical statement I'm going to read here. It was reworked from an early composition and retold to reflect his paranoia that his girlfriend, later his wife, was fooling around when they were away from each other. Do you know why he was paranoid? Because he said that's exactly what he was doing. (laughs) 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 He was doing the exact same thing. So he's screwing around. Behind her back in this long distance relationship, and he's paranoid that she's doing it. It's just such a double standard. But he writes the song based on that premise. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: Although I, you know, I would be willing to bet that's that's probably a, a
1: yeah, true story a for common, for yeah, yeah long distance thing.
2: relationships. Yeah, it's, it's how it works. But. Um, it's funny that you would write a song
1: on the premise, <laughs> right. though. You know, you're know, you angry at your loved one for doing what you've been doing. Yeah, um, it, It's a simple uh, case of um, if my girlfriend did this, would I be angry? Then I probably shouldn't do it. Right. So this one was never a big favorite of mine. It's a fine song. It's a good poppy song. But it, to me, it's not one. It doesn't reach the, the, the levels of some of the other songs we've chosen. Um, it's just basic 80s pop stuff. Um, so not, you know, just very neutral on this song. Uh, it it sounds more like an album track than a single to me.
2: It does, yeah, it does. But I think for the context of what we're doing, it's, Oh, it makes sense for this it's so, the per- yeah, no. per- perfect song. Yeah, perfect.
1: Yeah, I just I'm surprised it went to number two. Um, but who am I to judge? Uh, you know, the song earned Rick Springfield a Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Um, he actually you know won it. The rest of them I mentioned so far have all been nominees. Um, he won that in 1982. So the the Academy or whatever the Grammy the Grammy group, what are they called? Uh, the whatever, the Grammy people. There you go. Uh, thought it was an exceptional song, apparently. Huh. Do you ever wonder how much of those award shows, I, I think the Oscars, I mean obviously there are politics involved.
2: Oh, always. And movie
1: companies are you know, doing all sorts of things to get people, but. Well
2: there's all kinds of lobbying going
1: on. Yeah, and, no I get that, yeah. but, but I, I, I always felt like the Oscars were, were probably the purest of all of them. I always worry about the Grammys, because of the whole payola thing you know, that happened. And I just keep thinking, boy, if your album wins a Grammy, you sell a lot of records. And I wonder how much of the uh, under the table stuff's going
2: yeah. on. Yeah. Well, the problem with the Grammys is
1: they have the so eighteen thousand m- categories.
2: Well, not just that, <laughs> but you have so many artists that win, and then they just never. You know, a so- the sophomore album is just
1: right trash. Well, that's, that happens. A and bit.
2: and frankly, you know, the song they win for is not the strongest nominee. What
1: you mean, Millie like, Vanilli well, winning Best New Artist wasn't. <laughs> Well, a highlight of the Grammy.
2: Afternoon Delight won the, the Grammy the year that um, Star, I, I don't even know what, the, I can't think of their name, the vocal, star vocal,
3: yeah, whatever. Right, right.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, even Christopher Cross, who I do respect. Yeah, and, no, You I, know, as a Yacht Rock fan, yeah. I, I get it, but Christopher Cross won, you know, the Grammy, and, you know, within two years, he was just.
1: Gone. Do you remember yeah. when they introduced the metal category for the first time? It was in the late eighties, early nineties. And do you remember who won? It's just this is so funny.
2: I don't remember who won. Um, no.
1: You had bands I'm just spitballing here, but you had bands like Metallica and, and Iron Maiden and so forth. Like. Right. Jethro Tall. <laughs> Jethro Tall had released run... a box set of previously released material that year, won the very first ever Grammy for heavy metal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that makes no sense. What's...
1: Well, it kind of does. I well, mean, I mean, there... the Grammy people were probably a little scared of, of metal at the time. Yeah. And so that was the closest <laughs> that resembled So they were playing it them. safe. Yeah, I I guess, I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I yeah, get That it. was a big thing.
2: Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, you, you got Ozzy and you got Iron Maiden and you got Judas Priest. It, it, oh yeah, it, a lot it, of great metal bands. Yeah, yeah, you you went with Jethro <laughs> Tall. So,
1: so Aqua. I mean, every great metal band has a flute, right?
2: <laughs> I, I suppose. Yeah,
1: um, and nothing against Jethro Tall. No, no, great, no. But, yeah,
2: I'm, I like Jethro Tall, but it just <laughs> that's that's wild. Um, yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you. I think the Oscars are probably the. Although you know, really, if you're really going to get down to it, it, might be the SAG Awards. I might give it to the SAG Awards as being the. Heurist.
1: yes because they're voting for each other yeah their union yeah um
2: and and beyond that maybe golden globes because that's that's the foreign press
1: yeah it was although there was a change this year um, was there yeah and i i read about it it was some some they did something different oh. they had an awful host by the way i don't know if you saw it
2: no i didn't see it's it a comedian
1: year. and i'm sure he's a fine comedian in his own right but
2: not the best host well i can tell you that the oscar nominees were released today yeah as a side note
1: yes and, and uh, my daughter is very upset why that Greta Gerwig did not was uh, not nominated for best uh, I mean Barbie is, is nominated for a uh, motion picture best motion picture which I which I get because it was a cultural phenomenon
2: and, well everyone is nominated for Barbie except
1: well, yeah, Margot Robbie is Margot not, Robbie. and Greta Gerwig is and, not for best yeah. director and then Ryan Gosling this is ironic if you've seen the movie uh, ends up being nominated for best supporting yeah. uh, actor. Well, and
2: best supporting actors is there's is nominated. Uh, what's her name? Amer- uh, Ferreira. Um, America Ferreira. Me- America, for America best Ferreira. Yes, 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 yes. It doesn't matter. Oppenheimer's going to sweep the Oscars. Mm, maybe. I I think Oppenheimer's
1: I don't know. Away. Movies that usually get released in the summer, you know, they're not as hot. Uh, you know, exception to that would be Forrest Gump, that True. was released in the summer. I
2: so. just I have a feeling about Oppenheimer. Although I've heard great things about Maestro.
1: Yes, I haven't seen that so, yet.
2: I haven't seen it yet either, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah. We are way off topic.
1: Oh, yes, we are. So, let's, Your pick. <laughs> all right.
2: Next song, it, it 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 makes sense that it immediately follows Don't Talk to Strangers. The song is Take It on the Run by Ario Speedwagon.
4: Heard it from a friend who Heard it from a friend who Heard it from another you've been messing around They say you got a
3: boyfriend You're out late every weekend They're talking about you And it's bringing me down But I know the neighborhood And talk is cheap When the story is good And the tales grow taller on It on the run, baby. If that's the way you want it, baby, then I don't want you I don't believe it. Not a you're under the gun,
2: so you take it on the run. Yeah, this one, uh, it was the nineteen eighty one album, High Infidelity. Um, and the song hit. Great album. Tim. Number
1: five.
2: Yeah. Um, this song was was Gary Richrath's answer to fellow band co-leader Kevin Cronin's "Keep On Loving You." Hmm. Now that one hit number one uh, in '81. Both were going through difficulties in their relationships. Actually, Cronin with his wife Denise, and Richrath with uh, Rick Great. Rath. He was straight. With, with his girlfriend Debbie. He was straight. Yeah. Yeah. They were well. He was was at least... um,
1: No, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay.
2: Um, It was the 80s. Um, So yeah, they were both having issues. Um, Cronin was uh, having issues with his wife Denise, as I said, Rich Rath with his girlfriend Debbie. Uh, Rich Rath said in interviews, when I wrote that song, he said, I woke up one night half asleep and I sat down in front of the TV. He said there was a soap opera playing and I was just sitting there strumming a guitar thinking... My God, these guys' relationships are worse than mine. He said I just sat there and sang vocals about the effects of gossip and relationships breaking up, which was what was on the tube. He was he was narrating, but in song, you know, just kind of making up lyrics about the soap opera he was watching, and all that was similar to what was going on in his own life. Hence, uh, the end product, take it on the run. Now originally this was called Don't Let Me Down. And the lyrics were geared more toward men than the final result. Um, But this song peaked on the Hot 100 uh, in 81, a little over a month before MTV went on the air. And the band shot a concert video for the song with director Jay Dubin, which was the ninth video that MTV aired Hmm. when the network launched on August 1st of 81. Shortly after the video started, the tape got glitchy and cut out, a bad omen for the band, which was soon replaced on the network by more charismatic bands that made concept videos. Uh, The high-infidelity track In Your Letter also deals with a cheating woman. Kevin Cronin's wife, Denise, offered a retort in a 1981 People magazine story. Uh, They should have called the album Wives on the Run, (laughs) she said. The band gets all this sympathy and is excused for all that goes on when they're on the road. No one even mentions the problems of the wives who are home alone. Hmm. So a little bit of an echo there with Springfield. Or, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias poached the vocal melody of this song, and, and uh, the heard it from a friend lyric on their 2016 collaboration, Messin' Around. And if you're a fan of Cobra Kai, in season one, um, Daniel owner of the car dealership is taking Johnny on a test drive when this song comes mm, on the radio. That's where they
1: bond for the first time. They bond time. for the yeah. first time,
2: yeah. Uh, Daniel asked, do you like Speedwagon? And Johnny's retort, what kind of man doesn't?
1: <laughs> so,
2: um, have you seen that they are coming out, I don't know how this is gonna work, with a Karate Kid film? Hmm. It is Ralph Macchio as Daniel. Okay. And Jackie Chan reprising his role as Mr. Miyagi from the the reboot Wait, that, what? Yeah. The, do you do you know that there was the reboot? No, I know. With, I saw that with Will yeah, Smith's son. With Will Smith's son. Yeah, it's the so, two sir, of them. It's it's Ralph Macchio and Jackie Chan. How's how that? Work? I have no idea. But it's scheduled for a two thousand twenty four release
1: maybe Mr. Miyagi's, like nephew or something. It's got
2: to be. I I don't know. I'm so confused by this. But I I saw it um that's on weird. a number of sites, credible sites. I mean, hmm. it's it's a it's a legit film coming out. Interesting. Um and of course, the last season of Cobra Kai is about to
1: be released too. Yep, but yep.
2: um yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't know how that's going to work.
1: So That show is so corny and I love it.
2: Oh, I do too. I hang on every and episode. Yeah, it's so
1: irreverent. Like there are so many Things that, not, they don't cross the line, but you get nervous today, but it's just a reminder that back in the 80s, things were a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I do. I, I love it. Um, and of course, now, in its final season, one would think that, you know, Johnny and Daniel were friends. That's how it seems to have ended at, at season four's conclusion. So,
1: I mean, the, the boy was paralyzed, and then he went to a concert, and he could stand.
2: I know. And what was it? Was it Twisted, Twisted Sister? sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Snyder man, he's a miracle worker. Well, what can I say? So, all
1: right, all right, your turn. All right, the next one, I'm going to go uh, with the uh, very talented Paula Abdul mm. from 1988, from the album "Forever Your Girl." I present to you "Forever Your Girl." Former choreographer for the Laker Girls, Paula Abdul, made her mark in pop music with her debut Forever Your Girl with hits like Straight Up. I should have made you list all these. Cold Hearted, Opposite, Opposites, opposites attract. attract, those are the three that I pulled out, but she I think she had another one on there, I too. Think
2: there was, well, Forever Your Girl, of course, yes, but, yes, but yes, I yes. think there was one other one. I couldn't tell you what the other one was.
1: completely took over the, the airwaves um, during the late 80s. Um, The fourth of the six, so there were six singles on the record, uh, and this was the fourth one. The track became Abdul's first number one, and it's kind of her signature song now. Um, Setting a record, this, this is interesting. So it went to number one, and it set a record for the longest time taken for a single to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Really? How many weeks do you think it took from the time it was, the time it debuted on the Hot 100... So when it actually hit number one,
2: longest time. Uh six months, more, eight months, ten months, Keep a going, year. Buddy. Keep
1: going. Keep two going. years. Sixty-four weeks.
2: Sixty-four. Sixty-four
1: weeks. How is it even still? Talk in about the, a slow burn. <laughs> how is it
2: even in still in the zeitgeist right. after sixty-four weeks? Right, right. That is that's pretty remarkable actually I mean
1: not as remarkable as dark side of the moon being on the
2: well, well yeah
1: 200 album charts from 1972 to like 1987 or 88 well, or that,
2: that's just the, the college yeah. and college students kept it there but but <laughs> right. I
1: um... yeah that's that's a little little true for there wow uh, Paul Abdul's background as a choreographer and a dancer is highlighted in this video which makes sense since she choreographed other artist videos prior to her singing career including George Michael and Janet Jackson both artists, which we've mentioned on this um, at least last week, uh, she also choreographed the famous I didn't know this toy store piano scene from the Tom Hanks hit film "Big.": Really? That was she her. choreographed that. Yeah. Huh? Great scene.: Yeah, sure is. That's the iconic scene from yeah. that movie. After a successful career as a dancer and then a choreographer and then a pop singer.
2: When, and she was a cheerleader. I mean, she
1: choreographed. Yeah, yeah. She was a cheerleader, yeah. and then she choreographed. The but court. she, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: But she was the Lakers cheerleader right. first.
1: Um, so after all of that, right? Most people would have retired by now and said, you know, called it a life. But she goes on to become uh, one of the most popular judges on America's um, TV's American Idol.
2: Yeah.
1: And she was on there for many seasons. Um, I'd say she thoroughly used her talents. Yeah. For people out there that waste their talents, um, she. Use them all.
2: Yeah, I mean, she is definitely a pop diva. But um, you know what song I, I actually? It wasn't even the song. The video. You know what video I loved from her? It came from the second album, her second release.
1: The one with Kenna Reeves. Yeah. Rush, rush.
2: Rush, rush. Yeah. Yes. It was. It was a retelling of Rebel Without a Rebel Cause. Without a cause. Yeah. With Kenna Reeves, I thought that that video. I just because I'm I love Rebel Without a Cause. One of the greatest. Films definitely it, it ushered in teen angst in the you sure. know youth American
1: youth culture, but um yeah, that I, song I thought was I mean again her pop stuff is her pop stuff I thought that song was was solid yeah it was really good
2: but for me that video man it yeah. just I loved
1: that it was video. like a short film
2: yeah at the Griffith Observatory you know? and yeah. all I mean it it, they, it was on location it was it was shot for shot it yep. was fantastic yep.
1: and Ken Reeves at the time. If I remember correctly, he Ben and Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. That's but he about hadn't it. quite crossed over yet to the megastar that he is today. Correct. Yeah.
2: Um in fact, I, I love Have you have you ever seen the meme where it shows Bill and Ted and it says I was there for the original Ted Talk?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that meme. Yeah. But
2: yeah, no he he had not made it. Um it was, Well, I think Speed was the film that launched him. Yes. In fact, it launched Sandra Bullock too. Yes, both yes, of them. Yes. Um, and then he was terribly miscast in Dracula, and, you know, it's been up and down from there, but, um... I I always kept waiting for Ted. Yeah. And Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. You know, like Cool Fang is Mister Drac, dude. You know, I just uh, it didn't work for me. I, you
1: know, I was never a big Kenner Reeves fan, but I, I have a lot of respect for him because he's. I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies, but I guess they're really good. I um, really enjoy John Wick. From what I understand, a really down earth guy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that like you know, he takes selfies with anybody who asks, but he always has his hand showing in in the photograph because yeah. he doesn't want to, you know, uh, make someone feel uncomfortable. So yeah, I mean he's just he seems to be the real deal. He
2: is a huge philanthropist. Yeah. He gives away very nearly all of his fortune yeah, yeah. every year. And
1: of course, the Matrix is what made him a bonafide yeah yeah star.
2: Um, but yeah, he huge philanthropist. He is he's very humble. Um, I I've never thought that he is particularly a great actor. But as a human being, sure. I mean I'd be I don't know that I could name anyone any celebrity in Hollywood that is more endearing and more honest, more genuine. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I agree. Um, and he is technically married to Winona. So there's that too.
1: He's technically married to... You didn't know that? No.
2: The Bram Stoker film mm-hmm. during the wedding scene. Yeah. What they didn't realize is that it was a real priest. <laughs> and serious? they literally, literally were married. Well, there's
1: no, well, no marriage but, license.
2: Well, there's no marriage license, but technically it, they went through the entire yeah, right, ordeal. Yeah. And the two of them still to this day... They're very, very, very close. And they still, to this day, refer to each other as husband and wife. Funny. That's yeah. Funny. yeah. So, I mean, lucky guy. My Winona was oh, one of my loves in the 80s.
1: Well, she still is not She's bad no stranger. Things. No,
2: Stranger Things has taught us anything. She has aged very well. So, we all should be so lucky. Um,
1: but not as lucky as Susanna Hoffs. Uh, Susanna? She has aged really well.
2: Yes, yeah, she has. A, a lot of them have. I mean, it's, you know, it's just when you got money you know
1: yeah but it's also making good choices it
2: is yeah which i've not been known to do often (laughs) um so that takes us to our uncle billy joel billy joel next track and you know it's it's right there tell her about it from an innocent man 1983 this was his second number one hit
4: Listen, boy, I don't want to see you let a good thing slip away You know I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes that i made She's a real nice girl and she's always there for you But a nice girl wouldn't tell you what you should do Oh, listen, boy, I'm sure that you think you got it all under control So you're a big boy now and you'll never let her go go. But that's just the kind of thing she ought to know Tell her about it, tell her everything you feel Give her every reason to accept that you're for real Let her know how much she
3: means
2: In his biography, The Life and Times of an Angry Young Man, Billy Joel talks about when he first started dating Christy Brinkley. And he says that she was the first person he could ever just talk to. And he said they would spend hours just talking. And that was the basis for, for tell her about it. It's simply about his aha moment uh, when he realized that you could actually have a soulmate. Now, of course, that soulmate, uh, they met in 82, they married in 85, and they were divorced in 94. But she was, i well, coming off of his marriage to Elizabeth Small, everything we've read, she was horrible um, to him. But yeah, Christie, uh, it, was, it was just late night
1: conversation that, that inspired this too. I interpret it a little bit differently, or maybe it changed in the course of the writing, but I always saw it as a saying, you know... Don't do the macho thing and and be distant and cold and just assume that playing hard to get is going to make her want you more. Uh, you need to communicate. Yeah. Communication is key. That's yeah. how I always took it. Well,
2: and, and yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is he had never done. That. He'd never right. he'd never felt comfortable enough gotcha. with yeah, his right. former wife to to communicate. Got it. Yeah. Um, the song, of course, it has that early '60s feel. It was part of the concept album where he was revisiting the the sounds of his youth. Um, and this one, uh, very famously was his Motown tribute. Um, the, uh, they really play with it, of course, uh, in the video, which shows Joel performing on the Ed Sullivan show as BJ and the affordables
1: and the dancing bear. What was the name of the dancing bear? Um,
2: uh, it's in my notes here. I have it coming up. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: and Ronnie Dangerfield, Yeah, Ronnie
2: Dane Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Dangerfield, um, he also appears in the video, getting no respect, of course. Joel wrote the theme song for Dangerfield's movie, Easy Money. Which, which is the flip
1: side. Also uh, appears on An Innocent Man, and yeah. it was the
2: flip side, yeah.
1: Not a great song.
2: Uh, I love Easy Money. It's so Wilson Pickett, James Brown. It's not just, a great song. Uh, yeah. You're no fun.
1: He's not great sometimes with opening numbers.
2: No, I, I'll give you that. I mean, he <laughs> he obviously did not make our openers uh Was Running <laughs> on tape. Ice
1: the opening to The Bridge? Yes. And then you had... Traveling Prayer, <laughs> yeah, not the best openers.
2: Well, you know, some Anthony song. I mean, there's something to be said for Anthony song. In big,
1: Think about a Hollywood, in, in
2: big shot. I mean, yeah, he, okay. He has okay. a couple of winners. You may be right, but um,
1: what opened Innocent Man? Innocent Man was Easy Money. Oh that, yeah, 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 duh.
2: Um, yeah, so uh, Jay Dubin, uh, he also directed Joel's videos for Uptown Girl in the Longest Time, and he directed the video for Teller about it. Um, DuVin said in interviews that the idea for the Ed Sullivan show Spoof was an easy sell. Now, Joel, he had a reputation for being a reluctant video star. But that said, the videos for this album, whether you like the album or not, because a lot of Billy Joel fans feel that this is when he jumped the shark, really, um, which I've always thought was really unfair. But nonetheless, the videos for this album, not only did they share you know, a common look and, and sound, but they were so playful and so colorful and they were so... They
1: had such big budgets.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and, and they had star power. I mean, Joe Piscopo and, and there were so many, you know, cameos in the, in the various videos.
1: Thriller really pushed the envelope because when Thriller actually spent a million dollars to make a music video and we went away from just kind of the cheap stuff that was right. pre- premiered on MTV originally, that's when when Joel's record company stepped up.
2: Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess Dubin went to Joel and he... he Basically said to him, uh, they had just recorded the live from Long Island concert special, mm, yeah, and one. and he said, "Hey Billy, wouldn't it be great if you were like all those, uh, you know, great guys that you know that launched rock and roll, and you were on the Ed Sullivan show, you know, and now Mr. William Joel." And according to Dubin, Joel just said, "Let's do it." Simple as that. Uh, the video gives the date of the Ed Sullivan spoof as Sunday, July thirty first, nineteen sixty three at 8.34 p.m. When, in fact, in 1963, July 31st fell on a Wednesday. Oh. Uh, it was much harder to find these things out in right.
1: 1983. No one's gonna check that.
2: Pre-internet, you know. <laughs> uh, when, when Joel was in the middle of recording his 60 send-up album, he realized that he was missing a key musical influence uh, of the decade, and it was Motown. Specifically, The Supremes. This was his tribute to The Supremes. Hmm. Uh, according to Billy Joel, that they had a million hits, And he recalled in a 2016 Sirius XM interview, they were always giving advice to girls about their relationships. So he thought, okay, I'm going to write a song like that and I'll be Diana Ross. (laughs) Um, He does not perform Tell Her About It in concert today. In fact, he has since said that this is not one of his favorite songs.
1: Really, I think it's a solid song. I love this song.
2: Yeah, in fact, I prefer this to, to Uptown Girl. I always yeah I agree with that Um, musically I just think it's it's and you know uptown girl I'm I'm a huge Four Seasons fan which that was the you know the inspiration there but yeah Billy Joel does not like teller about it Um, it may be because the vocals are too tough for him now I think that's part of it but um, you know nonetheless the song works well within the album is what he says it's not standalone and he said that because he wrote it thinking about the Supremes he felt it was dangerous to take that song out of context of the album. To me that just sounds like an excuse. um he says it sounds a little too bubblegum, especially given the video where they simulated the Ed Sullivan show appearance um but uh, yeah, he's went on record he 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 is yeah he he calls a number of his songs the stinkers, you know, songs mm-hmm. that he just does not does like.
1: he does he call um we didn't start the fire and River of dreams stinkers
2: uh River of dreams I don't think so. Yeah. I think that he
1: I've co- heard him make fun of we Didn't start the fire. Oh, we didn't start. He plays the fire. it on one key in yeah. the piano. We
2: didn't start the fire. He has went on record to say is the worst song he ever wrote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which it is
1: notoriously which also bad. went to number one. If I'm it not mistaken,
2: yeah, that was th- that was his third and final number one. Did you hear?
1: He's right. There, he's he's, 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 right, he's co-writing he's, new music.
2: Yeah, there might be a new yeah. Billy Joel release coming out. Yeah. But he
1: never co-wrote before, so that's. I know.
2: I don't know what to make of it, but it, he's been very cryptic. I yeah, guess yeah. saying did I wait too long? And I guess at one of his concerts not too long ago, he said uh, he didn't have any new stuff to, to play yet. Is what he said.
1: So I, I remember when when River Dreams came out and the famous last words, the last yeah. song, and we're like, oh, he's just kidding. Yeah, that <laughs> was like 1993.
2: Yep. Yeah. No. So yeah, 30 years later, it looks like there is something.
1: On the horizon. So that album had four very high-budget videos. Yeah, I'd tell her about it. Uptown Girl, uh, Longest Time, and uh, um, Keeping the Faith. Keeping the faith. Yeah. The other singles, like Innocent Man, did not have a video, if I'm correct.
2: Yeah, Innocent Man didn't have a video, and the Longest Time was a live but video footage.
1: No, the Longest Time was was or not not
2: Longest Time. Leave a tender moment alone, alone. Yeah, right? Yeah, leave so, a so, two
1: alone. of the six were not. Yeah. When you blow your budget on the first four. You know.
2: Yeah. The best of four is still The Longest Time. Yeah. I mean, the, the last reunion. Yeah. The the harmonies in that song, and he does them all himself. Right, right. Yeah. I, he just layered his own performance. But to me, An Innocent Man's the best track on the album. Sure. But I, I was always kind of surprised that that didn't have, because you have the callback in the, you know, Well, he was from t- He was
1: touring time. at the time, which he, is why um, the Stevie Wonder one, I call it that, because of the harmonica. We, um, Leave a Time Moment Alone. Yeah, was a live version on tour. He probably just didn't, couldn't take the time to, to probably to, to do the.
2: But I, yeah. he put so much, he invested so much in the longest time. And then Innocent Man has that callback on that yes. voice you're hearing, on that voice you're
1: hearing in the, hall, in the yeah. hall. So I just, I don't know. My favorite part of the video was when they showed the uh, the family watching. Oh yeah, uh, with the TV dinners. Yeah,
2: and then the kids do the double take yeah. when he's in their living room. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fun. That's it fun. is. I love the video to it.
1: All right, all right. Next one. Um, yeah, I was. You know, I already admitted to being somewhat of a Whitney Houston fan when that wasn't popular amongst what I you know normally would have listened to and didn't didn't disclose that to too many people. Um, there's another artist very much like that, and that is Madonna hmm. uh, and and I'm still a Madonna fan, especially. I mean, she's gotten pretty out there now, but oh she's yeah, yeah, but um, you know, all the stuff up through, even like of Light, I thought was a really good good record. The third single from her third album, Madonna's True Blue, is both a love song to the 60s, so this fits right in with Tell Her About It, uh, and then her husband at the time, Sean Penn. The phrase was one of Penn's favorite sayings, and Madonna wanted to incorporate it into a song as a, quote, unabashed valentine for him. So here we are, Valentine's Month, and then we have a valentine song. True Blue finds its style from the Motown groups, again, like Tell Her About It, of the early 60s that originated from her hometown of detroit it's light it's fun it's nostalgic the song did not quite reach the number one mark actually leveled out at number three for several weeks on the hot 100 but it also charted on the dance uh, and adult contemporary charts as well Um, like i said i'm a fan i followed her career enjoyed most of the stylistic phases throughout the years even uh, the erotica phase and the vogue phase i mean all, all good stuff um and she is touring again but from what I hear she's having an issue arriving on time yeah I've heard she's been
2: very and she's late
1: yeah um, Yeah. disappointing because you know you never should stop working to please the fans that helped you to the top you know you can make fun of bands like Kiss all you want but talk about fan service I mean they understand that people pay a lot of money to go see them and I think as a Springsteen of course is this way a lot of artists are this way you want to, you know, you, you want people to come back to your next tour. You need to give them the goods uh, on, on the current tour. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, the next farewell tour by Kiss, you know, you, you're right, <laughs> right. you
1: you want. I mean, I just never understood like, like Axl Rose doing the same thing, showing yeah. up hours and hours late. Like that's just, and is it a power thing? I mean, these people are devoted to you and they're paying their hard earned money to come see you and you're not going to respect their time. People have to work the next morning.
2: Well, concerts never begin on time, or very, well, very rarely. I
1: would say nowadays the the corporate ones usually do pretty close.
2: And that, yeah, within within thirty minutes. Yeah, within thirty minutes. Um, but I remember being going to a number of concerts where it'd be an hour, you yeah, know, before they take be the stage. Good. But Madonna, I guess, has been—I mean, very right. late, like hours right. late. Um, I don't know. She just and uh, oh, the plastic surgery. Yeah. I mean, she has. Yeah. She's she's one of those. It just. Not, uh, good. not good. Not good at all. No,
1: which, the opposite of Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> yeah,
2: which which really makes me sad because Madge, you know, she was she was such a sex goddess. I mean, she was mm-hmm. a sex
1: symbol of the '80s. She just had a difficult time transitioning. Yeah, into a more mature artist. Some do, you know. Some don't, and I know yeah. it's easier for men to do that because, for whatever reason, men age more gracefully or whatever I mean i'm I'm just saying what people say you know right um that's more of a Hollywood sexism you know oh, with, yeah. with women it's double standard um, double sure. standard but uh I think you have to kind of man, man or woman realize when you're getting to a certain age
2: yeah well you know? I think really with Madonna you you began to see the change about the time of Brittany and Christina Christina's yeah yeah rise yeah because yeah. yeah. I remember the MTV uh,
1: music video awards she Brittany. where
2: Madonna kissed Britney, Madonna yep. kissed Christina and, and yep. if I remember correctly, Britney kissed Christina. It was I like, I, it was
1: weird. But you're right, she but, probably saw the new generation and yeah. got a little spooked.
2: And I, I'm sure too Lady Gaga doesn't please her much right. because she's you know, Madonna 2.0 so it's, it's just been very hard but um, yeah, she's uh, it's, yeah. plastic surgery can go very wrong and Madonna's looking really rough. So.
1: Yep. Yep. So that's uh that's yeah. That's all we had to say about that. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
2: uh okay. Well, my next one. Uh, this one is by the Thompson Twins and it is from the 1983 album Into the Gap. It hit number 3. The song title is Hold Me Now.
3: I have a picture.
0: Now, what tattered and torn?
3: We fuss and we fight and delight in the tears, and we cry until
0: dawn.
2: This was the biggest American hit for the Thompson Twins. Which, um,
1: by the way, there were three members in the band. There were, yeah. And none of them were related. I, yeah,
2: but... I've <laughs> always loved that that little bit of trivia. Yeah, <laughs> it's like
1: Ben Folds 5. Exactly,
2: yeah. Home Me Now was written by band members Tom Bailey and Alana Curry um, with additional contributions from the third member, Joe Leeway. He does the falsetto backing vocals on the song. Uh, Bailey and Curry were a couple. They got married in 91. They had two children together. Uh, They wrote this song after a heated argument that they had resolved, and Bailey told Rolling Stone, we actually decided, well, this is an interesting emotional subject. What does it feel like to get back together again after separation, and the kind of ideas that come up, and the way that emotion and physicality somehow are brought together? Uh, It's a moment of truth. I mean, it's a message of love in the face of adversity. Bailey reflects on a once blissful relationship that has now become tattered and torn in the song. Uh, the couple finds themselves arguing and fighting, delighting in the tears they shed until dawn. It's a poignant representation of how even the strongest love can
1: experience hardships. I like that phrase. What? Delighting in the tears.
2: Oh, that's his, That that's,
1: is uh, it his? Yeah, that those are the lyrics. Great album title. Yeah, it would be.
2: Yeah, no, those are, those are directly, that's the lyrics of hold me now. Um, yeah, the Thompson Twins had a very modern sound with many of their songs relying on electronic instruments at the time, they were very synth pop, uh, but this one was more organic than their previous efforts um, with guitar, marimbas, piano, and they, the, all, all of that was out front in the mix. Um, it's such an emotional song, he said, we wanted to have that warmth that you often can't get from synthesizers. They wrote the song using a drum machine, but played it using real percussion instruments, Uh, Tom Bailey studied classical music, which informed the writing of this track. Um, The bass line and the chord sequence are the same in the verse as they are in the chorus. There's no change, and the only change is in the amount of instrumentation that goes on top of it. So you could play the same four-chord trick around the verse and the chorus continuously. The only time it diverts from that is in the middle eight immediately after the second chorus. Um, It's very repetitive. And of course, although it's a medium tempo emotional song because of its repetition and its grooviness, it, it also has one foot in the dance department as well. I mean, they they were very well known and played on the dance floor all the time in the 80s. Uh, the group themselves, they named uh, themselves after the two detectives and the Belgian cartoonist, I'm going to get the name wrong, pronunciation wrong, Herges, Herges, Sounds good uh, to me. Comic Strip, The Adventures of Tintin. Hmm. Um, I know The Adventures of Tintin I just right, don't, right. don't know the cartoonist pronunciation I apologize for that uh, this song was included on their third major label album and the group actually had seven members when they recorded their first album and it was pared down to three by their second uh, in 86 Joe Leeway left the group and Tom Bailey and Alana Curry continued as a duo releasing uh, three more albums um, in the UK, this song was released in November of 83, and it quickly rose up the chart thanks to an appearance on Top of the Pops. Uh, the group was promoting this song in the UK before the album was finished. So while the, it comes from an 84 album, it was actually an 83 release. In America, Hold Now didn't peak until May of 84, and it was helped in large part by the video, which was in constant rotation. MTV, you know, when, when it comes down to it, any song that hit the Hot 100, they hit the charts because of MTV's influence. Yeah, And yeah. I mean, it's that simple, you know. I mean, especially artists from around the world. Uh, when you think of the, the Australian X as an example, Men at Work would never have
1: Men at charted. Work, big Country, yeah. Um, Rick Springfield, uh, Midnight Oil. Well, he was on General all, Hospital. All, all of
2: them. I mean, they would not have charted in the U.S. if right. not for MTV. Um, the Brits maybe but some of the, you know it's, well a lot
1: of the European especially like
2: oh yeah like Falco yeah yeah that yeah, never yeah. would have charted MTV say what you will I mean it played a role in making the world smaller musically mm-hmm. so it's another loss uh, you know since they stopped playing music so very long ago um, Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins it's, it's more than just a catchy synth pop hit though it, it's it really is. It's a heartfelt expression of love and vulnerability when couples must take inventory and really decide whether the relationship is worth saving. And the song's timeless appeal in relatable lyrics, it's really allowed it to stand the test of time. It's become an enduring symbol of 80s pop music. So there you go.
1: Yeah, you know, I have the utmost respect for Thompson Twins. They're the real deal, 100%. Never got into them. Never liked them when they were out. Never, I just really, which is weird because you know I love new wave, yeah. new wave stuff. But I, I only know their singles, and that's all I know. And I, I love their singles, yeah. but yeah. I, I, I don't never care I, for their singles. I bought
2: a couple of their singles on forty-five, but I never bought an yeah, album.
1: Never did. Never bought I an always album. Turned them off. It's weird, huh? It just wasn't my thing.
2: That surprises me actually.
1: Just didn't emotionally connect to it.
2: Yeah, no, I get that. We've had that conversation mm-hmm. before, but given your love of new wave,
1: yeah, it, it just didn't, it surprises me. Yeah. It has nothing to do with snobbery because that was before I would have been a snob, so it wasn't like oh, right. they're on the top forty, so they must be bad. No, it wasn't like that way at all. It just yeah. didn't, didn't get into. Them.
2: Well, New Wave was ultimately alternative radio, right, so right, right, yeah, right, yeah. You, you wouldn't have been a snob in that respect <laughs> right. anyway. So, all right, sir.
1: All right. My next one is a song by Cyndi Lauper, 1989. So we're talking late Cyndi Lauper from the album A Night to Remember. I drove all night. This has been the episode for Connections, so we're going to go back to Roy Orbison. Yeah. Because I Drove All Night was originally written for Roy Orbison in the mid-1980s. Orbison actually recorded the song a year before he died. Yep. However, it was not released until after his death in 1992. Correct. The version most of us are familiar with, of course, is Cindy Lauper's version, um, and she interpreted the song as more of an emotional pop ballad. But we're going to put on our, our uh, mentioned songs list the recording from Roy Orbison because it's very different. Oh, it is. Yeah. The um, Cindy's version hit top 10 in the U.S. and uh, that would be her last top 40 hit on the American charts. It also earned her a Grammy nomination for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance in 1990. Now, later, Roy Orbison's version would match Lauper's version in chart position in the U.K., but his version failed to hit in the U.S. Um, you know, I wasn't familiar with it then. Oh,
2: I, I, I knew it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't chart at all it didn't, in the US? Well, I mean, it, it failed or, or did, It, didn't, it hit. didn't hit. It, it didn't hit. Did, okay.
1: It didn't do as well. Didn't go as high. Okay. Um, and I like, I like his version. It's a much faster tempo um, Roy's vocals are of course as sharp and as pleasing as his oh, yeah. earlier work like well, he hasn't missed a step at all yeah, locally
2: it's still very operatic yeah
1: um, there's one other um, significant cover version are you familiar with? Celine Celine Dion had yeah. a uh, dance version in the year 2000 and you know I'm not a huge dance fan but and I'm not a huge I'm not a, at all a fan of Celine Dion but I don't mind this version yeah well my her.
2: my wife loves I actually we went to, I one year for her birthday I got her Celine Dion tickets. So I've I've seen Celine Dion in in concert for my wife. Um she puts on a pretty
1: good I'm sure she
2: does. concert. I mean she she I'm not a fan per se, but I mean she is you know, you talk about Whitney's vocal right, chops. Right. Celine Dion, man, she is she's just remarkable yeah. in what she does. But yeah, I um I've never disliked her version of the song, but to me. Uh, it's no contest. Cindy and Roy are always. Well, going yeah, to take it's just
1: cool that, that that a song is interpreted three very different ways, and all three of them work. Yeah, agreed. And 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 none of the three wrote the song. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's all I have for uh, I drove all. Night. I just driving all night. Of course, is is kind of um, archetypes. The wrong word. It's become kind of a thing. I guess <laughs> thing. That's the best word to come up with. Um, when you think of well, Springsteen has a song, you know, yep. about driving all night. I've mentioned on this podcast that another mixtape that would be fun to do would be nighttime driving songs. Yep. Um, there's just something about that idea, and of course, driving all night to see somebody has a sense of urgency, yep. a sense of devotion. Well,
2: yeah, and one, well, of course, we talked radar love in yes. a
1: previous mm-hmm. mixtape episode.
2: Um, yeah, it's it's that idea that you need to, you know. It, it's impulsive of course but right. you, you, it is it's urgency like before you said.
1: FaceTime yeah <laughs> it's a tribal night exactly do you ever yeah. think how Billy Joel's um, Sometimes the Fantasy would be different in the FaceTime age
2: <laughs> Um do why I just thought of that I'm sure he'd still breathe, breathe heavy <laughs> in the microphone so that video though Oh, you, you talk, can't prank call videos. anybody anymore
1: because everyone knows the number now yeah you
2: No. Yeah, everyone's refrigerator is running today, so yeah, <laughs> it's unfortunate.
1: No, it's great. I like Cindy Lauper a lot. Obviously, she's so unusual. Is another one of those major albums that had a ton of, of singles. Um, yeah, I just there, she was very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very much an artist, 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 and um, had just a good pop sensibility. And well, wasn't you... quite alternative, but but leaned into that yeah. a little bit. Well, have you heard her late stuff? I mean, recent. She's, I haven't heard her recent. She stuff. she's
2: she's went jazz. Oh, she's really? a jazz vocalist now. I know pr- she was on primarily. The Apprentice one season. Yeah, primarily she releases jazz hmm. vocal um, with with the big band. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, It's very good. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, so much of her performance in the eighties was just that a performance. I mean, when she actually drops the. The Kewpie doll, you know, right, that, yeah, that yeah, high yeah. Right, pitch. Right. She's a beautiful vocalist. And, yeah, her jazz work is, it's it's pretty incredible.
1: Well, you know, you, you watch those reality shows. Uh, not that they're necessarily, you no know, reality. But you do get a sense after a season for a person's personality despite the selective editing, right? And, uh, yeah, I just got a sense. I got a good vibe from her on that show. I think it was the same season that Gary Busey was on. Oh, jeez. And Meatloaf. <laughs> Gary, if I remember correctly Gary Busey and Meatloaf got into a physical altercation on the show the producers had to be just licking their chops
2: that I'm going to have to look up because I want to watch that now yes, yes. Um, I don't know who would win that fight
1: <laughs> I forget um, That's it got pretty it got pretty intense that that
2: would be hilarious I <laughs> just not, not that I condone violence but that would be yeah. hilarious. And I could be wrong.
1: They could have been yeah. on separate seasons. But I do remember, especially, I remember Gary Busey being very strange, which, again, is well, not surprising. Busey
2: has always been And
1: I remember strange. Meatloaf getting really pissed off about something and just, like, throwing stuff. And, and, I, and I think it might have been had have something to do with Gary Busey, but I could be totally wrong. I put it this way. Ever since 2016, I've tried to forget everything I ever saw on The Apprentice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Including Debbie Gibson, and I was obsessed with her.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. That is (laughs) crazy. Um, All right. Well, we are to my 11th selection for uh, the the mixtape. This one by Journey, and it is from their hugely popular 1981 album, Escape. It hit number two, and it is titled...
1: Broken Arms. (laughs) That's that's how I was another I, inside joke from my wife yeah
2: I, I really thought Sorry. you were about to say broken wings and I thought I was going to have to correct you on this, I come to Mr. you with broken arms yeah um, <laughs> open arms is <laughs> the name of the song
3: lying beside here in the dark feeling your heart with mine softly You're so sincere How could I ever be so blind We say
2: band members Steve Perry and Jonathan Cain. Uh, The song is about a couple who drifted apart but found each other again and realized how much, in fact, they do love each other. According to the liner notes in Journey's Time 3 compilation, Jonathan Cain came to Journey with this melody already written. Uh, It could have been a song for the Babies, which was his previous band,
1: Really? Ex- yeah. Except- With John Waite. Wait, yep. Another connection.
2: Yep. Except the baby's vocalist, John Waite, rejected the melody as too syrupy. Oh. Uh, he sheepishly showed the tune to Steve Perry on his portable wheelchair keyboard, and Perry immediately wanted to do it. And the rest of the band... Still, Journey, the rest of the band, wasn't so sure. They thought it was too sacred.
1: The 80s is baked into that song. It like, is. Yeah. It is just baked into it.
2: Yeah, according to Perry, they were all opposed to the ballad. He said Neil hated the idea, and John Kane thought that maybe John Waite was right. Uh, but the third single from Escape, Open Arms, not only went on to become the band's highest charting single, Wow. It sent album sales into orbit.
1: Over-faithfully?
2: Over-faithfully.
1: I know Don't Stop Believing became a later phenomenon. Right,
2: because, well, that was Glee, primarily, but... um, Well,
1: the Sopranos.
2: Well, yeah, Sopranos, too. Um, But, yeah, no, the... um, And
1: the O.C., sorry. On
2: on original, Open Arms was their biggest hit. Um, And it, uh, you know, according to C. Perry, it says um, it pioneered the entire concept of the power ballad. Hmm. Open Arms is the song credited for the power ballad interesting and he said now everybody's got to have one of course and he he even said which i don't know that i agree with this but steve perry said wait even came around as well his big hit as a solo artist was the ballad missing you i've never considered missing you a power ballad but i mean i, I guess i can see it but it, to me it's too up tempo
1: yeah, yeah
2: um but nonetheless yeah it uh it, it was huge don't stop believing as you said has become journey's most popular song but it only charted at number nine mm-hmm. in America. Yeah, right. Open Arms was the group's biggest hit on the Hot 100, reaching number two. It stayed there for six weeks, first behind Centerfold <laughs> and then behind I Love Rock and Roll. Mariah Carey recorded Open Arms really? for her 1996 album Daydream. Her version hit number four in the UK. Um, and, and this was also used uh, in the 1981 animated movie Heavy Metal. Mm-hmm. Remember Heavy Metal?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do.
2: And it was used again in the 1982 comedy that made me want to put my foot through the television screen, The Last American Virgin. Hmm. Have you ever seen The Last American Virgin? I have not. That movie. Why did you want to
1: put your foot through the television?
2: All right. So, whoa, what is, I'm going to have to look it up. What is her name? Um, basically, it is a sex comedy of the 80s. Okay, and I remember watching it on HBO when I was very young. I didn't understand the full... Um, Diane Franklin was her name. You'd recognize her if you saw her. She was in um, Better Off Dead. She was oh, a yeah, foreign yeah, exchange right. student. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Diane Franklin, basically, she. you have this nerd who is madly in love with this girl. And she's basically dating just this total 80s scum, you know, wears the the sweater around his neck. I mean, he, he's the stereotype of the 80s bully. Okay. And he gets her pregnant. And then he basically drops her, okay? So here comes the nerd to the rescue. He takes her in, he helps her, he basically raises all this money and he helps her to get an abortion. And they share an intimate moment and she tells him how much she loves and appreciates him for coming to her rescue. And they agree to meet the next night and when he goes to meet her, She's making out with the bully who dumped her after getting her pregnant. And
1: well, that's her. not a good ending. That's the ending in the movie. That's not good.
2: Yeah. Anybody who has seen The Last American Virgin, basically, you end that movie so pissed off. I had a hard. I love Better Off Dead. I had a hard time looking at her because hmm. I so associated her with the role from this film. That it just Diane Did they Franklin, not have test
1: audiences back then?
2: I don't know, hmm. but it, it's a classic 80s comedy. It's in the vein of Porky. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, but it just, yeah. Oh, I remember. I was so angry. Um, it, it just, yeah. I really did. It, it, when you watch it, you know, if you emotionally invest, you do. You just want to kick the TV screen in. So,
1: well, we already did a couple skitting mixtape for Valentine's Day a couple of years ago, but. And I'm sure I had a hard time choosing the Journey song between Faithfully and Open Arms because both of them were huge couples getting well, songs. Yeah, they were. And I think we went with Faithfully. Yeah, yeah, we went so with Faithfully. So I'm glad faithfully. that we can, we can yeah. talk about this one now. Yeah. yeah. But um,
2: Open Arms, I've always loved Open Arms. I mean, it's to me, there's there are not many songs about a couple reuniting,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And it's so sincere I, yep. I think that's the key to this to this ballad is that um the lyrics are just you know it, there's you know it, it, it's just pure and yep. genuine yep. you know and and um steve perry is this as you know the, the character speaking mm-hmm. takes the blame um you know, it's mutual. You know, they drifted apart, but here they are, and he's begging her, please stay with me. He'd say you will. It's just, to me, it's, it is a much more faithfully, of course, has the long distance, you know, message sure, Jeff, as well. Right, right. But there's something about open arms and this idea of a couple that just, you know, they did, you know, call it quits and they just couldn't call it quit. To me, it's, it's a much more romantic venture. It's, it's more, The soulmate, but faithfully has that great line. You know, um, what is it? It, That great line that I can't think of. (laughs) Um, um, It's where he talks about um, where he constantly gets to. um,
1: You're asking me about lyrics? Yeah,
2: that's the wrong (laughs) way to go. Yeah, Um, I'll look it up while you begin your your next two. Well,
1: I mean, I'll say this while you're looking that up. So we are at the point of the narrative where everything, this is the climax. Yeah, this is the climax. We, we don't know how it's going to resolve until the next song, right? And that's my song, so I'll let you look that up first, though. It
2: is, uh, I get the joy of rediscovering you. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That is such a great line. I get the joy no. of rediscovering you. So Much to
1: my wife's dismay because she had a roommate that constantly played Journey to the point where she can't listen to them anymore. I might actually throw in Journey's greatest hits tonight.
2: I, you know, Journey. Yeah. I've, I haven't
1: listened to them in a while. I
2: have never tired of Journey. No. I just haven't. I, and I've never heard them with their new lead singer. I know you have.
1: I've, I've seen them live. Yeah, twice that's what you told me. Them. Yeah. You know?
2: Um. I had a chance to go see them live. I, to me, I'm. It's it's much the same thing. Like I, I refused to see Fleetwood Mac because Buckingham wasn't right. there. Um. The Eagles, now that Fry is dead, I'm never going to see the Eagles. Much the same way, Journey, I know this new guy sounds just like him, but I'm not going to see Journey without Steve Well, I'll tell, I'll
1: tell you the, the difference. At Blossom Music Center, twice I've seen him, and there's such a terrible place for for a concert. It is. Um, and, and I was on the lawn, and you're just so far away, I couldn't tell. Really? I was just in the moment with friends, all these great classic Journey songs sounded exactly like him. Didn't bother me.
2: Yeah, I just I'm just, I'm just a purist on that. I don't yeah. know.
1: Um, I mean, if they changed bass players, you wouldn't care. Yeah, well,
2: <laughs> that that you know that's a fair point. That, that's a fair point. To me, it's I know the front man it's of, the front is a lot band. different it's because the they're the man, personality
1: yeah. of the band. I get um, that.
2: yeah, and it, it's it, there are so many bands like that too. I, I just like Sticks. I I mean. Until they reunite with Dennis DeYoung, which is never going to ha- well. It'll happen if they get into the Rock Hall, sure. But that'll be the last time. Well, I've seen <laughs> the Tommy Shaw
1: happened. version. My wife's seen the Dennis DeYoung version.
2: Yeah. See, I don't know that I'd want to see either one of them because to me, it's not sticks. It's just.
1: It's, well, I mean, the the Tommy Shaw version has a, a vocalist that's very similar to Dennis. DeYoung. Yeah. yeah. Well, that and was,
2: Tommy um, Shaw does vocals on yeah, re- yeah, Ren- yeah. Renegade is Tommy sure. Shaw, yeah, you know. Right, but right. it's
1: I don't know. I just I saw him at a casino though, and it was awful awful venue in the sense that like I love really fancy venues I love going to like old theaters to see you know like the Palace Theater and right. Akron Civic Theater they were in, in a casino and was it was it? literally a, imagine Sam's Club or Costco and you remove everything in it and set up chairs and a stage really yeah it was just like, like it just wasn't Northfield because Northfield yeah it was Northfield Really? You've been I, there? Just, I, I, I've to been me it there. feels like you're in a big warehouse. It's just, I don't know. There's I, no character at all.
2: Well, no, there, it's, it's very sterile.
1: Yes but, yes. but but it didn't
2: strike me as being that vacant. Yeah, I, I didn't
1: guess. dig it. Hmm. It I kind of reminded me of a mega church without crosses.
2: I, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> I could see that.
1: All right. My last one here, and we're getting to the uh, climax and the denouement. We Belong by Pat Benatar from 1984, the album Tropical. Benatar is my favorite female voice of the 80s hands down just she was trained in opera before her pop career which I think is evident through the command that she has in her voice and we belong was the first single off her Tropico LP it went to number five on the charts so it wasn't a number one it's funny all these songs that went to number one surprised me and the ones that never made it just shows you how things age differently it earned her a Grammy nomination for best female pop of vocal performance in 1986 And the song deals with the inevitability of a couple's destiny, despite the pitfalls along the way. What I really love about Benatar is her relationship with her husband. Yeah. Um, Her longtime uh, collaborator, guitarist, producer, and husband, Neil Giraldo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. You know, it, it was always Pat Benatar, but really it's more of a duo. It's more like Hall and Oates.
2: It is, yeah. His name was never front on the album. But they they are. Yes.
1: It is. It's a duo.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is what I love. Because finally, finally, Pat Benatar was inducted into the Rock Hall in 19, or sorry, 2022, after being eligible for 22 years. But I found something out this week. I was always bitter at the Academy, or the, the Rock Hall people, whatever, for not inducting her. But there's a reason why she wasn't inducted for 22 years. She refused to go in if they did not induct her as a duo with her husband. Good for her. And they finally said, Yep, okay, you've you've convinced us. And when they finally agreed to have him inducted with her, then she agreed to be inducted. Huh. A lot of respect.
2: I was not aware of that. Well, it
1: wasn't that they were snubbing her. Huh. I always thought they were snubbing her, which I just could not fathom. Because she's not only a pop artist, she had a very rock side oh, to yeah, her as well. Yeah. Um Well, I I saw them uh it
2: was in twenty one. We were still wearing masks from COVID, but we were out and about again. They they were performing at the palace.
3: Mm, nice. Um great, it was venue.
2: great concert, you know. I it just and the two of them, I mean, they interact on stage. He he you actually hear from him. I mean, he's he's very much a, a participant. He's not just playing the guitar behind her. Right, right. Um but yeah, she rocked hard, man. She was just she sounded there, there was you couldn't tell it wasn't the '80s. I mean, her mm-hmm. voice, her delivery had not changed, yeah. um, and it, it was just it was phenom- a phenomenal concert. And of course, the palace, there's no bad seat. I mean, it, sure. it was oh, just yeah, intimate, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember Gil and I were sitting there in our masks, you know, <laughs> watching it. But it, it, it was a great, great concert. Um, yeah, no, I just thought they were snub because the hall has a habit of snubbing female vocalists or female artists, anyway. They've started to turn that around. Stevie Stevie Nicks was the first, then Tina, and now it's 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 kind of on The Go gos are the
1: Bengals? Bengals aren't in. Bengals aren't in yet.
2: Exactly. No, um, they will be eventually. There there are so many. Um,
1: well, now it's it's almost. I mean, there are so many strong female performers. Right. It's almost, I don't want to say it's flipped, but it's a lot more or even than it used to be. Yeah.
2: No, it's it, it's definitely a snowball effect because now the female artists are just saying I mean, it's 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 on a, it's like a snowball, mm-hmm. you know, going downhill. But yeah, they they snubbed the female artists for so and the sixties, like I would say hands down, the greatest one of the greatest snubs is the Shanghai Laws.
1: Oh, they're not in.
2: They're not in. Hmm. They've never they've never even been on the ballot. Wow. And hands down they invented in many respects, they invented the female punk yeah. movement. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, every artist from Blondie to uh, um, all of them, yeah, they, they've yeah. all credited Shanghai Laws. And yeah, they just, they haven't made it on a ballot yet. Hmm, I, interesting. There, there are a lot of cases of that. I, I, I'm a Rock Hall member, and I love visiting the Rock Hall. But the Rock Hall does piss me off. I mean, they—they they, there are so many acts that just, I, I don't know where the hell the number is. Phil
1: Collins is not in solo yet. No. Wilco's not in yet. There are so many that aren't. The Smiths uh, are not in yet. And that is a travesty. Is New Order in? They should be in too? I, no. Yeah, see.
2: Yeah, no, not yet. Joy Division, New Order, That they're not in. Um, although a lot of people think that this will be
1: their year. Oh, so really? a lot of people. Now REM is in, right?
2: Yeah, REM is in. But I've been hearing from a lot of people that, yeah, they're expected. The so no, no, no! The, oh. uh, Joy Division.
1: Oh, Joy Division. who knows about the Smiths? Warner. I don't.
2: I don't know why the Smiths haven't been nominated. Dude, if
1: they, uh, well, Morrissey probably won't uh, won't 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 attend. But probably not. It would be cool to see he and, and Johnny back together. But yeah,
2: it's going to be an interesting year. I, I know Soundgarden is up. Mariah Carey is up. Um, they haven't announced
1: the nominees yet. But well, but Mariah it, Carey will probably get it.
2: I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a strong year. But it's going to be another one of the very diverse years where you have all the critics online saying it's not really a rock hall you know it's gonna be another one of those years but it, nonetheless i think those critics are wrong it's an umbrella term it, it is yeah it's about rock and roll is it's not so much about the genre as it is about the attitude sure you know and it's it's an, an influence so but it's going to be a diverse year i, I don't know who's going to make it but i wouldn't be surprised to join a if we go to the induction ceremony that this would be the year you see them perform
1: well, not Joy Division, but New Order. Well, probably without... Um, and they, They're like a lot of bands. They, yeah, The, the touring version of New Order doesn't have... Um, does it not have Bernard Sumner or, or Peter Hook? I forget which one. One of them is not
2: Well, but I think there. I think they would probably be inducted under both
1: names. You think? I think. Really? I could
2: be wrong, but
1: it's... Has that ever happened where a band has been inducted under two different names? I don't names? think
2: so, but I don't know how they would differentiate.
1: Well, I mean, their lead singer killed himself so it's, he wasn't part of New Order and right but it's kind of I mean similar but very kind of different in some ways musically
2: right but I I, I don't know I, I've been seeing it hyphenated
1: really okay. yeah right. I could be wrong I, I don't know
2: but I because I, I keep up on you know a lot of the the music critics guesses on, yeah. on who will be nominated and okay I keep cool. seeing Joy oh, Division I mean, I hope
1: that would be awesome
2: yeah I keep seeing Joy Division New Order as a hyphenated
1: yeah maybe, maybe. nominee so cool all right know. Our last one, the denouement.
2: Yes, Uh, with a bit of humor. Uh, I give you Stuck With You by (laughs) Huey Lewis in the News. It is from the 1986 album Four, and this was a number one hit. With you, oh, it's such a great song, um, and, and it describes an inertia you know, that keeps a relationship together after the power of love uh, has attenuated. Basically, it's not the most romantic sentiment, <laughs> but it's honestly pragmatic. You know, we've made it this far, we might as well stick it out. Huey Lewis had been married for a few years when the song was released in '86, and a few years later, he and his wife split up. as... It seems to be the case uh, repeatedly in a lot of these songs. Uh, the Huey Lewis in the News official site used to have a question of the week section where Lewis would answer questions from his fans. And in 2013, he answered a question that asked, Who Stuck With You is About? And Huey's reply was, None of your business. <laughs> but he added, I will tell you that although my songs are often inspired by real things, in fact, usually inspired by real life, they aren't always literal, and I always embellish. There's an ellipsis. And then he says, but I will also reveal that the person who inspired Stuck With You did not really like the song all that much. (laughs) Um, This was the lead single from four. Now, the band's fourth album, uh, it was a follow-up to their wildly successful Sports, which had five hit singles. For non-golfers... Four is what you yell to warn people in the line of an errant shot. So the title follows the sports theme of the previous album, and of course is a pun on it being their fourth album. Uh, The group was under a lot of pressure to deliver a leadoff hit single, but they struggled for months, and their manager Bob Brown made a personal appeal to Huey Lewis in the news, guitarist Chris Hayes, asking him to come up with something.
1: Wait a minute, you had Jacob Slatter, you had... Doing it all for my baby. You had "Hip to Be Square." Those were all solid singles,
2: right? But this is before, th- This is when they had not gotten back into the studio. To oh, record. I see. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Because sports had proved so, yeah, you know, so prolific. I mean, it, it was such a huge, sure, okay. uh, album that you know they kept waiting. The, the label kept waiting for gotcha. for the follow up. Yeah, because um, it was
1: about a four year difference, I think. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So Chris Hayes, they went to him. They asked him to come up with something. And according to Hayes, in a Rolling Stone interview, he responded by taking a six-pack of beer into the studio, and he emerged three hours later with the music for Stuck With You. Lewis added the lyrics, and they, they had their single. Now, four of the five singles from Huey Lewis and the News of Sports album made the top ten in America. All five singles from four got there as well. After Stuck With You came Hit To Be Square, Jacob's Ladder, I Know What I Like, and Doing It All For My Baby. So uh, their success was well-earned. And all of the members had been in other bands for years before Huey Lewis and the News formed in 79. Their debut album, issued in 1980, flopped hard.
1: So Even, I already mentioned earlier in the season that they were Elvis Costello's backing band. Exactly, originally.
2: yeah. And that was just about to go Oh, there. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. no, that's fine. It's I, I, one it's, of my favorite facts yeah.
1: that like nobody knows. Yeah.
2: Well, th- they were all in their 30s. We've talked before about how Huey Lewis was just so unconventional. And so... And, you know, you have a middle-aged man who's suddenly on pop charts, right? Um, they were all in their 30s. They feared losing their record deal when they finally landed a hit with Do You Believe in Love, which we've talked
1: in, at length about in nineteen. Cover cover song. Yeah. No one knew the original. Mutt Lang. Right. Yep.
2: Huey's, Huey Lewis in the news, though, they were staples on MTV thanks to their light-hearted videos that typically had very odd scenarios and at least one babe. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Stuck With You opens with a vignette showing Lewis at a formal gathering. And I went back, I had to re-watch it because I didn't remember the video that well. But um, it, it begins with uh, Lewis, he's at a formal gathering where one guest after another just keeps coming up to him and hassling him about the next album. When's it coming out? Hmm. I don't remember that and, either. And uh, he finds a girl and they make their escape in a rowboat, okay?
1: Oh yeah, I remember that.
2: Then they end up on an island inhabited by people who love to party. And Lewis's music video philosophy, here it is, he said always they tried to avoid literal translation of the song at all costs. He said that they always attempted to zig when the song zags, to just have fun, and to try to be funny. Whether or not they were, he said, is subjective. Um, But this is one of several Huey Lewis in the News hits which includes rich harmony vocals that he says is influenced by the Beach Boys. Others would include If This Is It and Do You Believe in Love. Uh, the music video was directed by Ed Grouse, and it stars the model Keely Shea Smith as Lewis's love interest. Grouse also helmed Cyndi Lauper's videos for Time After Time, and Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and Shebop, and I Drove All Night. Another connection. And Another connection. And Mutt Lang
1: we mentioned a million times. Yep. Um, but I, I would venture to guess that your favorite video from that record would be Doing It All for My Baby
2: that's my favorite because
1: it was the again the monsters right it was a laboratory and Yep. You had Igor and Frankenstein yeah. if I remember it's correctly a great video yeah, yeah.
2: but no I, I I mean I remembered them in the rowboat but I didn't remember because the, the video takes a long while uh, for stuck with you to
1: begin. They might have cut that when they I, was in rotation. I think they
2: did. Yeah. But but yeah, I went back to YouTube, I watched it. I like yeah. The it's, fly. It is. It's everyone's just coming to him asking when the next album is coming and he's trying to escape it. And that that pretty much was the pressure the band was under after the success of sports. So
1: there you go. Well that's it folks. That's our, our narrative. So um it would be interesting to see what people can put together some some details yeah uh, I mean it's it's an age old story of course it's nothing right. original about the story no it's all tropes but um, but to, to listen through it and to kind of invent a narrative might be fun
2: yeah I, I'd, I'd be interested to see someone actually have some fun with it um, love to see a graphic you know oh yeah version of it um, if anyone's good you know with piano art but yeah um, yeah, it's been a long time coming. We've been doing this for four years, four seasons, and we've never let yeah. the mixtape tell a story, which so many of our mixtapes did. So uh, we decided to take a break from the theme. Of course, there is a theme: long
1: distance relationships. But um, it's another twist on Valentine's Day because we've done the couple skate, right? Yeah. We do. We'd I let, forget.
2: Let our wives pick one. Oh, that's we, right. We did. Uh, right. We did the the the, you know. Romantic dinner with the yep. the jazz and vocalists. we were never
1: cynical enough to do a black day. <laughs> no, we never did that <laughs> breakup Valentine yeah, episode. Never
2: did a breakup. Um, so, but there you go. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it, and uh,
1: and we don't have to uh, go away and regroup again with um, with the order because this is the order. Yeah, there's no sequencing, so. So we go from prostitutes to long distance to long relationships. distance relationships and next we go to family yeah we go
2: yeah now it's family values we are well I wouldn't say family values no, it's but it, family. It, it's family it's family re, family relations
1: and we have a special guest that's who right is returning to the podcast
2: yeah our buddy zabe, who uh, has his own podcast okay. who will save generation X it's which a, is
1: phenomenal uh, um it's a great game show great game show great facebook page great content yeah it's
2: i would i I would love to be Contestants again on on the game yeah, show sometime that would be fun. Um, so because you can,
1: so you can get you know a rematch. You yeah, me this time.
2: Hey, I was <laughs> I was in the lead the entirety of that game until the end. So I yeah I, I forget how I flubbed it up. But the, the end it was
1: the Family Feud because you had to leave the room.
2: Oh, that's right, and you stole all my answers. I stole yeah, all your answers.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> Although I did love leaving him speechless when I got Ferris Bueller's day off from the Star Wars theme,
3: yeah yeah that
2: because that was that was his first clue I like, him Ferris Bueller's day off and I I, I feel I, I could just feel his <laughs> loss like where where the hell do I go next sorry Zabe I, I do apologize I, I just know Ferris Bueller <laughs> so um but yeah he is back with us We are all gonna take eight tracks uh. Next month and two weeks um, on family relations. So we hope you will join us as we talk family, both immediate and um, you know extended family, and, and we'll see where that takes us. So sounds good. All right.
1: All right. Well, that is all for this time. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits in two weeks.
2: But for now, press pause, lift that needle, and folks, we ask you to hit eject because. It is time for us to call it another episode. We will see you on the flip side.
0: Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you can get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet, mixtape. Line in, line out, if you don't have a line, hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine, here's an accidental slice of time.